The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. So, all that being said, what the hell does Street Fighter and Magic, what do they have in common? You called it. The, yep. Our first set of 2022. Amagawa Neon Dynasty. Yep, Cyberpunk is coming to magic and Jake hates it. Look at me, I'm the DCI. Yeah, look at me, I'm the DCI. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel, proud members of the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. How are you doing today, Matt? Uh, pretty excited about all the news. How about you, Jake? Tired. It's been a very long day for me. I... I've been having a rough time at work. Just the heat, the packages, the students. So this is the first week where classes are back in. And as you know, it is pretty hard to drive around campus in a 30-foot box truck while kids are trying desperately to get to class on time and crossroads. Yeah. Traffic's killer over there. Yeah, traffic's pretty bad. Luckily, I've got some help. So that makes the days a lot better. But it was a really heavy day today. I had a really, really rough day. I was able to tune in and catch some of the live stream for mm-hmm. magic uh you got to see a little more than me but we're both really excited to talk about it hopefully listeners can hear a bit of a change in our audio quality we have been working aggressively uh in the past week to improve our audio quality we're hanging several basically acoustic devices to help dampen echo and sound we've re-upped our microphones we've bought new microphone equipment we're changing the software we record on you know by no means am i going to say that we're a professional studio, but we're putting a lot of work in. And I yep, hope. we've converted a uh, room in my basement to a recording studio, basically. Putting some real resources into trying to make this sound as good as we can for the listener. If you guys have any comments or concerns about it, um, we would super love to hear your feedback. Yeah, feedback would be yeah. super important just to let us know what we can do better. Uh, you can uh, send us an email at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can hit up our Discord. Uh, it's cantri- or it's uh, We have a Cantrip Cartel page in the... Plain Soccer's podcasting Discord, which if you're listening to this, you probably listen to the Plain Soccer's podcasts. Email our Facebook group is Cantrip Cartel. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Cantrip Cartel. We'd love to hear your feedback on the audio, what you're thinking about it. And if you think we should stop doing it because we suck. I don't think we do, but maybe you do. I think we do. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get better. Yes, we. that's the thing. Improvement is definitely on the horizon. We're going to keep working at this to get as good as we can to... Keep providing the best product we can for you guys. So as we always do, I think we'll jump in. We'll start talking about some of our eternal formats and how the meta is looking. Matt, how's modern look? Uh, modern's not looking too bad. The uh, the most recent challenge looks like the metagame's pretty diverse. Uh, you've got uh, blue-red Delver decks or blue-red Tempo decks that are they're currently the most popular deck, but they don't seem to be actually putting up um, oppressive results as far as the numbers go. So like they appear the most often, but... You know, it's not like the top eight is six blue red tempo decks. There's ac- the top eight's actually very diverse, decent mix between control decks, combo decks, tempo decks. So you know, the sky might not be falling yet. Um, it's it's the same thing. We're we're gonna tell everybody is that's why we're gonna do these challenge overviews every week. Is you can't simply extrapolate what the metagame's gonna look like based on the results of one challenge. But if you look at it over time, we can kind of maybe you know notice some trends here or there looks like modern's in a pretty decent place one of my concerns was in the past few we hadn't really seen a control deck kind of appear and 
when you have a new meta, the control decks are kind of usually the last ones to kind of get fleshed out because they're a reactionary deck. So they need to have a solidified metagame that they can build a game plan against. Looks like the metagame has solidified enough that people can start putting up results with a, def- a decently tuned control deck. It's really hard to play control when the when you don't know what you're playing against. But with the meta weaseling down to some bait to some really consistent decks, control decks start coming out in force. Yeah. So Which I, I mean that push and pull is what you really want to see in a meta. Kind of the maybe not rock, paper, scissors where it's just three decks, but the idea, you know, one deck is good, deck B beats deck A, deck C beats deck B, and then deck A beats deck C. And they yep. kind of bounce back and forth and you see these percentages increase and decrease. Yeah. So I mean I mean just looking at this control list i don't know how any blue player couldn't be happy it's got 25 lands 19 instants and sorceries only three creatures i mean it's it's as close to a draw draw go kind of blue deck as you could hope for given the uh the level of threats that are being printed these days i was really hoping to build um stone blade blue white control stone blade in modern and with control decks starting to come out in force it makes me really excited that the investment i made yeah it maybe won't be a waste I'm super excited to see Factor Fiction. Uh, any of you guys who've been playing Magic for a while probably have a soft spot or a seething hatred for Factor Fiction, depending on whether or not you played blue when it was legal. <laughs> but it's it's, exci- it's exciting to see that card. The biggest again. thing I hate about Factor Fiction is how long it can take to resolve. Because it's very difficult to build those piles correctly. And I mean, your opponent is probably going to take a while. I was playing on Arena the other day. And there's a similar card to Factor Fiction. It's a creature where you basically reveal three cards. And then as the opponent, you get to put a face up pile and a face down pile. And I spent a little longer than I'm comfortable saying trying to figure out how to build these piles just with three. And factor fiction is five. Yep, five. Yeah, it's a hard. And your opponent gets to see all five cards and yeah. they get to pick the pile. It's it's a very skill testing card. The nice thing is, as long as you're the one casting it, it rarely feels bad to pay four mana at instant speed and draw at least two or three. Yeah. Um, you're usually getting at least a couple cards. That, that, yeah. that three, two split's pretty common. So yeah, uh, what do you think about Legacy, Jake? Uh, I'll keep it a little short on Legacy. We are uh, really hoping to get into the really weeds of this announcement. So in my opinion, Legacy is not in a great place. The top eight of this is listed as a Legacy Challenge on 822. We were thinking it might have been a prelim. Uh, it's a, or a showcase, I mean. It's a showcase qualifier. Yeah, so a pretty pretty big tournament. First place, we've got Green White Depths. We've got Is It Delver, Bant Control, now, this is really cool. I'm going to love talking about the fact that we're seeing Charbelcher and Oops All Spells in 4th and 5th. Those are some really cool combo decks I love seeing. But then we've got Sneak and Show, Is It Delver, and then White Green Depths rounding out our top 8. That's a lot of combo. I'm seeing combo, Delver, and Control, and not a lot of diversity. Right. And the problem is, you know, combo comes in because it can sometimes outrace Delver, especially those turn 1s. It also can outrace Yeah, especially control. the... the- the Dark Depths combo decks yeah. do a very good job against Delver. And then um, you've got Blue Red Delver that just got so many good pieces. Bant Control, which has gotten so many good pieces. We don't talk about Uro as much because the most recent good pieces like Ragavan and Urza Saga kind of trump that. But Uro's a really recent good piece too. And that's yep. you know a lot of new a lot of new cards in there that really bring that deck to shine. Prismatic Ending's a huge part of that deck. We're seeing a lot of really cool combo decks. That's kind of the side effect of this. In my opinion, Legacy being not a great format right now. But 
we are seeing some cool si- some cool kind of niche combo decks. You see Hogak putting up in the top 16. We haven't seen that as much lately. We actually see Saltai Lurin in 14th, which is, um, I'm, I haven't looked at the list. I'll pull it up really quick. I bet it's running that new Acerac card. It sure is a one of Acerac the Archlich from the new Dungeons and Dragons set, which basically goes infinite with a Lurin immediately to win the game. Pretty cool seeing these combo decks come in, but personally, I'm not happy with seeing the entire top eight be like four combo decks and then two or three Delver decks and a control deck. This is not the diversity I'm excited to see in a legacy challenge or showcase. Yeah, and if you want to go even further and actually look at the the deck uh, breakdown, so you've got about 12.5% in this top 32 is uh, Blue-Red Delver. Then if you combine lands and uh, green-white depths, which they play differently, but they're both the strength of that deck is the dark depths combo, then you're looking at 18% to 19% of the metagame is Dark Depths. Well, the top 32, is that what this is? Of the, yeah, of the top 32. And that's generally speaking what we're going to be discussing because yeah. you want to look at what decks are winning, not just whatever. Yeah. I'm not interested in the guy who got 67th out of 67 people, what he was playing. We want to look at the winners. Yep. So then you look at, I mean, you look at that and you go, well, why is, why is that the case? Why is that so popular? It's because Delver is so popular. Yeah. And you look at Death and Taxes, historically pretty decent uh, Delver matchup. I mean, it's designed to prey on Delver to really punish you for running, you know, 12 cantrips and a bunch of free spells. Mm-hmm. That's what Thalia hits. It's going to tax your man. It's going to wasteland all those volcanic I- yeah. islands that you're running. So if you combine that, now you're looking at a metagame where almost 30% of the meta is tuned specifically to beat Blue-Red Delver. Yep. And then you've got the funny thing in this is Blue-Red. It's It shouldn't be a surprise that... Blue Red Delver only put up 12.5% in the top 32 when the entire metagame is geared to beat it. Exactly. The flip side of that, though, is it's, I mean, it's 12.5% in the metagame in the top 32 and the entire metagame is designed, is yeah. geared to beat it. I mean, I think saying, saying the entire metagame is probably a bit strong, but the idea is people are certainly showing up to this with Delver at the forefront of their mind. Right. Delver's still putting up solid numbers. Are you here to beat Delver or are you here to play Delver? In large part, and that's what we're seeing a bit of, especially in our top eight, into the top 16 too. The top 32 gets a little more diverse, but there's a lot of Delver and Delver hate in this uh, showcase, or the showcase in this, this is a showcase. Showcase qualifier. In this showcase qualifier. So a lot of people are very happy with where the legacy meta is. I am not one of them. I'm not, I'm not upset. Like I'm not exceptionally upset. I'm not crazy mad, but this is not where I want to see my legacy. So I'm eager to see as it keeps developing. If it keeps homogenizing down into this kind of linear game plan of beat Delver or be Delver, you know, wizards might step in. I'd be interested to see what they step in and do. Is right. this, this is kind of a pivotal moment for them where they come in and either ban out some if they do ban, ban out some of the older cards that have been there for a long time, or ban out some of the newer cards that they're kind of making their money on. Yeah. This is a chance for them to kind of show their show their uh, their skin in the game. Yep, and that that question there is always what makes me hesitant to upgrade to the new card. So, like, yeah, I haven't got Ragavans yet. Uh, uh-huh. Jake and I were talking about it earlier. It would cost somewhere between five hundred and a thousand dollars for me to take my blue red Delver deck, which was top tier, top like the exact list that was being run, mm-hmm. uh, you know, three or four months ago, and. To make this to current, run the current list, especially to run because the current list. we've you know we've gone from in a wasteland format, which you know wasteland is one of those pillars of the format. You build your decks with wasteland in mind to running four volcanic islands and 
two, two steam, steam vents. vents. Because the idea is you're maximizing on that Ragavan turn one with Day's backup. You always yep. want to have that red and blue source. You're willing to run Shocklands. I never thought I would see Shocklands being played in addition uh -huh. to Dual Lands. The idea that I just have to have six blue yep. and red producing islands is if you're, almost absurd. If you're to new to Legacy, and I, I hope if you're listening to us, we're kind of dipping your toe into Legacy. Wasteland is a very serious card. Running Dual Lands, while, I mean, they have a monetary cost. They have yep. a very real, like, playing cost, too, in that turn one Wasteland, turn two Wasteland. That could have been all your lands in the, like in hand. Yes, because typically speaking, the decks that are worried about Wasteland run very few mana-producing lands. So, you know, yeah. before uh, Ragavan, you were running maybe three Volcanic Islands. Uh, and then a couple if you of have basics. An opening yeah, and then a couple of basics. If you have an opening hand of just two Volcanic Islands, that may seem keepable until your Death and Taxes opponent Wastelands you two turns, or yeah. two turns in a row, and you don't play for the rest of the game. You look at those dual lands and you see the cost, which is very real. Six to eight hundred dollars for a volcanic island is very real. As someone who maybe owns them like Matt does or plays them a lot online like I do, I don't see necessarily the cost in paper. I see the cost of you have a real world chance of not playing magic today, or at least in this game. That's something you have to think about when you're building your deck. That's something you have to think about when you see these decks running, literally running shock lands just because they need extra quote unquote dual lands. Yeah, turn one. Ragavan with days backup is probably one of the best things you can be doing right now. Potentially game ending. I, when I'm on the wrong side of it, it feels almost game ending. It can be, yes. So that's our a dip into the current metas of Legacy and Modern. I think we decide Modern looks like it's in a good space. I really hope to see it develop better. Yeah, if it keeps progressing in the way it's going, it should. Yeah. It looks all right. It was a traditional challenge instead of a showcase. Challenges usually bring a little bit less in the power but regardless, I'm happy to see any good news in the front of uh, format. Legacy, I'm not as happy about, but we'll see. We'll keep checking in. We'll keep an eye on it. Hopefully it improves. Let's jump on to the fun stuff. We actually are really excited. Yeah, there so are some things we're not happy about with Wizards, but I think the happiness we have uh, after today's Twitch stream heavily outsizes the upset we are. So it was a classic move in my book with Wizards. A lot of people aren't upset about the universes beyond thing um, that they're doing. I particularly don't like it. So getting even more news on that front combined with some other stuff that I do like felt very familiar to me where Wizards takes two steps forward, but one step back where they're still making headway. That was a good I I love a lot of the news today. Very exciting stuff. And we'll get to in a second. But it's almost always bittersweet with Wizards. Let's get started with our roadmap, uh, at least the relevant uh, standard sets. Yeah. We'll yeah. run through those really quick. Yep. Matt, you called it. The yep. Our first set of 2022, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Yep. Cyberpunk is coming to magic, and Jake hates it, and I Hate love it. is a strong it. word. And we're right back to bittersweet. <laughs> I don't like it that much. This There's, is not where I want to see my magic. But I would, I would rather have... One of the things we always joke around about here is... You can't be super upset about something if you don't care about it in the first place. So the reason Jake doesn't like something is it breaks something fundamental in magic for him, mm -hmm. which is a combination of technology and magic. Yep. Which is That a, wouldn't be a thing if he didn't care about magic. And that's one of the things you'll always get with us is we, we have very strong opinions about these topics because we care so much about it. And I'm super excited. I, I've That news came out and 
I was elated and I've been excited to do this podcast all day because I just want to literally got a text today. Uh, Matt has today off Tuesdays is his day off. I was out driving and the second because I was watching it kind of in pieces. The second they said uh, Kamigawa Neon Destiny, I got a text from Matt Kamigawa confirmed. Yep. So called it. We were, we were pretty happy about that. I'm honestly it's very bittersweet for me. I'm actually really excited to go back to Kamigawa. I didn't get to be here for Kamigawa, but I love a lot of the cards in Kamigawa for it being such an incredibly underpowered set. People, it kind of lives in infamy. It was before my time. I love it. And I nitpick the best cards out of it, but I like Kamigawa. I like the style of it. I, I'm not really a weeb, but I love the Japanese style they've yep. done. I love the cards that have come out where like kind of nods back to Kamigawa or the reprints we've seen in some of the master mm-hmm. sets, Bushido coming out. I don't like when technology when I don't like when hyper advanced technology meets magic and I don't mean magic the gathering I mean like the concept of magic yeah the you know that when people use magic it's just not my cup of tea you know this is borderline this product is not for you we'll see how it comes out I trust me nothing would make me better or feel better than they do it right yeah so, so I'm that's a win for Matt kind of a lose for me yeah, yeah I've I've been playing uh I've been interested in cyberpunk since my buddy Alex uh, taught us how to play Shadowrun, and we've been playing Shadowrun. I've been playing it for 15 years at this point. They even pulled a D&D guy like me into Shadowrun. And yep. yep. Not, we got, it ain't no D&D, but yeah. it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's way better than D&D. That's not true. Anywho. <laughs> Politely disagree. <laughs> Anywho, so I'm super excited about this. I don't even know what... A, so one of the things about Kamagawa is it was very unpopular at the time as a standard set. So one of the things about Kamagawa was... Uh, it was pretty unpopular when it was standard legal. A lot of the mechanics were uh, very parasitic. So what parasitic means in magic terms is the mechanic is it's kind of isolated. Like mm. the mechanic soul shift can't be used with any other mechanics other than spirits. So if you're in Kaladesh and there's no spirits in the set, soul, your soul shift cards are useless there. Same thing with splice onto arcane. So you have to have an arcane spell. So So you have to have an arcane spell. In order to make that work, it's the only block that's ever had arcane spells. So Kamigawa does not play well with others is basically what it boils down to. But what was very popular and is very popular today is the flavor of Kamigawa. They really hit it, just knocked it out of the park. There's multiple legendaries that people bring up. Kamigawa stuff sees play all over EDH where flavor is a huge aspect of your deck building rather than just being, you know, cutthroat competitive decks. Yeah. So it's more about how you win than actually. Yeah, winning. a lot of people that weren't around when Kamigawa um, came out and played it in standard, they see it now and they they see the best cards. They see you know Umazawa's Gta and all the dragons, Asuza. They see all those stuff, all those cards, and Aronar. they love them because they play them in EDH, and I do too. I also remember Kamigawa being sandwiched between two very good blocks, so mm. it came out right after Marodin and Marodin was lightning fast. Uh, it was the affinity block, which still, you know, sees play in modern today, 15 years later yeah. should tell you how good it is. So you go from Marodin it's to lands band. Correct. So you go from something like affinity and then the next set has soul shift cards yeah. in it, which are seven mana, three threes that you can bring back another six mana, two, two from the graveyard when it dies. So it's re- there were- it's really interesting that you bring up this kind of parasitic and uninteresting keyword and mechanics. Rosewater talked about, I think it was on Twitter, relatively mm-hmm. recently, how that was one of the biggest like design failures he felt he saw from the most recent year of Magic was how since we moved away from lock design, 
mechanics are kind of on their own now and you we have they people were unhappy with how sometimes a mechanic would come out and it just doesn't have the support to be good it's really interesting that you bring up i didn't know this that kamigawa kind of lived on an island of its keywords where they didn't work they didn't mesh well with other things and rosewater just talked about how they're trying to move away from a design style that creates islands of keywords that don't mesh well. So it'll be really interesting to see how they resolve that because that's got to be at the front of his mind. Yeah, and from what I saw, they 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 specifically mentioned, hey, Kamigawa Neon Destiny is going to have all new mechanics. Gotcha. And I think that was kind of their, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. Hey, we get it, guys. Yeah. Everybody likes ninjas and samurais. Nobody likes soul shift. Yep, we can, <laughs> we can make it work with yeah. your other which, stuff. Which makes perfect sense. You take... You know, you look at your failures, which Morrow would be the first person to tell you that Kamigawa was a failure. You look at your failures, you keep what is good, and you just leave the rest by the wayside. And what was great about uh, Kamigawa was the flavor. So you grab the flavor, you grab the world, you grab the legendaries and the ninjas, and and we can make new mechanics. They don't have to be, you know. I'm happy to see Kamigawa, which I don't know if we said, it, this is set, supposed to be set on the same plane of Kamigawa, but thousands of years in the future. Yeah, I think they said it was 2,000 years yeah. in the future. So, After the events of the original Kamigawa. We'll see how badly they upset me with guns and swords. Yep. With lasers on them. Up next in the release here is going to be New Capena. The Streets of New Capena, which is supposed to be a... Prohibition era mob. Glenn, we got mobs fighting in the streets for power. Yeah. Al, Cap- Al Capone. Al Capone, stuff like that. I almost said Al Pacino. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> this set, does, this this particular set is probably not going to do a lot for me, flavor wise. I could definitely be the minority, but I don't have I don't hold a lot of romanticism for Prohibition style Brooklyn. Yeah, um, Al, you almost said yeah, Al Capone, and not really my thing. I'm not opposed to it. Again, I'm always I'm happy yep. to be one. Well, over. the big thing there, as long as the it's kind of the opposite of Kamigawa, where if you don't really care about the flavor, but the mechanics are good, like there's been plenty of sets that just, you know, I wasn't really all about the uh, Kaldheim flavor. I'm not, you know, a big Norse guy. That stuff's cool, um, but it's not really my thing. It's not something I've delved super into. But if the cards are fun to play, then I don't really care. Uh, same thing here. It'll be interesting to me. Um, recently with Kaldheim and Strixhaven, they both had the potential to be big flavor wins. And I think it's kind of widely regarded they were flavor misses. Mm-hmm. Some people have said, and I kind of agree, that it's potentially because we're doing one set blocks and it's really hard to sell home the interesting and in-depth flavor of a plane in a couple hundred cards. Yeah. Like when, and especially with the amount of product fatigue, I think a lot of people are feeling where as soon as you get done with spoilers, like you've got two or three weeks and we're talking about new spoilers for a new set, it's hard to really get entrenched in how cool a plane is when we're moving off of it so quickly. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that um the three set structure with blocks really they had its own problems but one of the nice things is it allowed you to develop a story within a plane so now i'm going to go back to dominaria because it's what i know best but the the perfect example of this is the invasion block the first set is called invasion what does that sound like there's an invasion going on right so phyrexia invades dominaria it's the it's the culmination of all the Phyrexian, you know, Yawgmoth versus Urza kind of stuff going on, right? The last set is called Apocalypse. Like, just the names of that kind of tell you what's happening. And then you can see, with since you have time to actually have events transpire between sets, 
you can watch a world change because of the events. So, I mean, they've done this several times with, uh, what was it, Cons of Tarkir had some, I don't remember the specifics, but there were the the, the dragon elders, and then there was oh, some time. major event. I don't remember what it was. Mm -hmm. You get to build that story, yeah. whereas Strixhaven was, there's a school, a bunch of people are there, Liliana's there, there's some new planeswalkers there. Okay, we're moving yeah, next on. Set. And so it's, it's interesting that, you know, you bring up this the block structure that they moved away from this idea that we had three sets that were all in the same plane. We're seeing with the return to Innistrad this kind of hybridization between a single block set and a dual block set, or sorry, a, a three block set where we've got two sets mm -hmm. on one plane. Innistrad has um, uh, something with the moon and Crescent Vow, but we're, we're going to be in Innistrad twice. Mm -hmm. That kind of segues into we are returning to Dominaria, which is awesome. Dominaria United is going to be Q3. Returning to Dominaria is fun. Dominaria is one of the first sets I ever got to draft. Not original Dominaria, yes. the recent Dominaria. Yep. It is actually the home of my favorite card ever, Tatiova, the Benthic Druid. I don't know a lot about Dominaria. I'm a lot more into magic than I was then, so I'm excited to kind of get some more lore of it. But that kind of feeds right into the last set, the Brothers War, which is between Urza and Mishra, yep. presumably also on Dominaria. So kind of hidden in there is the fact that we have another two-set block. Mm -hmm. We're going to be on Dominaria twice in a row. And they you know, presumably in Dominaria United, they're uniting against something. Maybe they're uniting against Urza and Mishra. It could be. And um, maybe they're, maybe, you know, maybe Mishra is bringing the Phyrexians back to Dominaria and that's what they're worried about. But this could easily bleed into the next set and get us a chance to really establish some story. So we see where Wizards has moved away from three blocks in a row, or sorry, three sets in a row to let's do one set in a row. Well, we didn't really like that. So now we're kind of intermixing where we have some standalone sets and then some sets where it's like, let's do two and to really nail home that flavor, especially on Innistrad where flavor is going to be huge. Werewolves and vampires. I mean, come yep. on, especially in when, especially get all the on, Twilight on fans Halloween. There, uh, fix. Yeah, for sure. And then we're going to move into next year, Dominaria twice, which Dominaria is such a beloved plane. Again, I don't have it doesn't hold a lot to me personally because I wasn't there for a lot of it. I'm excited to grow into it. But I hear a lot of love for Dominary. So this is a great opportunity for them to kind of bring back that multi-block structure or multi-set structure for a yeah, block. And the, well, the interesting thing about Dominaria is while it was, it's all considered one plane, it kind of effectively has multiple planes. And that's that's a, that's basically what the different sets were. They weren't all different, you know, regions of the world or whatever. But you got the the nice thing about having it all set on one plane was you got that sense of history that you lose out with on I mean, something like Strix hate. Who's Oko? Right. We don't know anything about Oko other than somehow he enslaved Garuk. But we don't know anything. Meanwhile, there's 20 years of lore about Urza. Yeah. And Gerard and Miri and the entire Weatherlight crew I mean, and Yogmoth and like I was telling my wife the story of Liliana. She fucking loves it. Yep. She loves the story of Liliana. She likes listening to just her history. What's Oko's history? Because he was in and out. And that's something that like you know, if you just play magic, it's fine. I don't I don't play magic for the story. The story is just a happy bonus. And I get that maybe Wizards doesn't want to commit a bunch of resources to happy bonuses. But it's kind of like the Nintendo polish. Mm -hmm. You know, a Nintendo game has the polish that things it doesn't need to have. But because they're there, the game is better. Correct. This is the Nintendo polish that Wizards should have that just makes the game so much better when if you kind of pull the curtains back, there is something behind everything. Right. It's there. So moving on, uh, we've got some news in regards to supporting in-store play, which Matt and I are both very adamant about. Yep. Support your stores. If you're going to buy product, buy it from a store if you can. 
I try and swing into my local store once every month or two just to buy some packs or buy some sleeves. Yeah, I always make sure to buy my sleeves for my Just give them some money, you know. Magic the Gathering, the important part about that is the gathering, and we really support giving those guys some cash. And you're going to pay a little more for some of your stuff. That's because they they got to pay the bills. Yep, and you will absolutely regret it when your stores close down. I've lived in, when I grew up, uh, we grew up up in Goshen with that group of friends of mine. We had no store. We had to drive 45 minutes to the closest game store. And that was when we were in high school and only two of us had a car. Uh, and, you know, that doesn't seem like a big deal when you're an adult where it's like, well, I wanted to go do this, so I'm going to drive for it. Well, when you're 16, which is the target group yep. that Magic's looking for, people, you know, starting, they want to get them young, just like yeah. cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's very difficult to do if you don't have a game store in your town. We're lucky enough to have a uh, couple game stores. Yeah, we've got two here in our uh, the town we live in. I don't. It's not our hometown, but, you know. Where we're at. I like having access to it. I like being yeah. able to pop in. I see their events posted weekly. I go it's I go do some of them. You know, sometimes me and Sarah just go play there just to support them and, you know, be in the store. Play, well, talking it to it people. really gives you a sense of community. Like if you 100%. belong to, you know, you walk in and they may not know exactly who you are. You know, you're not best friends with anybody there. But, you know, you start seeing familiar faces and it just yep. gives you that sense of community and belonging. Let you know you're not the only magic player in the yeah. You know, in your town, you can feel like, you can feel like Um, that. You can kind of be yourself, let your guard down about some of the nerdy things you enjoy. And that's not as big of a deal now, but it used to be 20 years ago. I mean, I mean, just finding people that share interests, the fact that you're in a card shop, the things you like, someone else there probably likes too. So I'm really happy to see, really happy to see any support going to them. With this, they're, they're talking about, they're doing some store championships where Mm -hmm. they're basically encouraging stores to do some big tournaments, basically crown a champion of the store and with that they're giving them some customized price support you know if you play in it you get an arbor elf which is cool just a nice little card yep collect a company if you top eight this event which is a good card yep very and then so. worm coil engine which is i mean borderline staple when it comes to commander yeah really good card if you manage to win it and Not to it mention, does see some play in modern as well yeah Strong it does dice. these cards are also going to be kind of customized with the store name on them mm-hmm. so you know if you bring home a card from a store you can tell all your friends for the rest of time that you won that being the champion of your store. Yeah, you can absolutely get some bragging rights when you, yeah. uh, you know, you're playing your Duretti deck in EDH and you're playing the Worm Coil engine that you got because yes. you are the store champion you the at best. your local game store. So really oh. happy to see that. I love anytime Wizards gives, I, mean, I hope they're giving it to them or at least at a, a good price, gives stores product to help increase their revenue because stores don't make enough probably. I mean, I hope your store does. I know ours probably doesn't because it's it's so tempting to hop on TCG in your underwear, buy the cards. They're probably a couple dollars cheaper. It's hard for me to buy cards from our local shop because they don't always have what I need in stock. It's always a little more expensive. It's worth the work, though. The The service they provide in terms of having that gaming area or having that product available day of, it's worth it to support at least some. Yep. Maybe not every dime you spend you on gotta Magic. You got to keep the lights on at your store. Some. I think, you, I think it's something you should think about doing. After that, we have uh, they announced their Commander Collection Black, which I'm glad this came out nine months after Green. I don't know why we're spending we're doing one a year, but cool. Yep, just chock full of some really good black reprints. We've got Liliana Heretical Healer, Ghoul Caller Gissa, Ophiomancer, Ophiomancer. Yep, that's that card has needed a reprint for a while. Rexian Arena, Reanimate, Toxic Deluge, Soul Ring, and Command Tower. Some really good art on here. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, the Soul Ring looks great. I love yep. the Command Tower. They're very, it's one of the things I like about them is, you know, Soul Ring goes in every EDH deck, Command Tower goes in every EDH deck. Yep. So, but they have, you know, if you look at the arts historically for Command Tower, it has all five colors yeah. prominent because it's a rainbow land, right? Well, the 
these uh, commander specific ones, you know, these commander sets, they're cool. Like you got that command tower that's predominantly black. And yeah, you, it's you've got, got some got rainbow in there, ring. but it's a black command tower with a black sky. Soul yeah. ring is it's Soul got ring black has, tendrils coming out of and it. And it's got skulls sitting on the little table. Yeah, there. you want to dope out your black deck. This is the great opportunity. And just these arts existing is awesome. I, I love free prints. I will you will be hard pressed to find me complain about reprinting good cards. Yep. So I Wizards, have a pretty decent collection. I own every single that. card on that list and I'm excited to see them reprinted and get them in more people's hands. Yep. We're seeing some challenger decks for Pioneer come out, which is awesome. I love seeing Pioneer get some love. They announced that they were kind of postponing or ending their Pioneer Master set they were gonna print. Mm-hmm. That really made me sad. They were kind of killing Pioneer. Because we've we talked about last week how expensive I mean legacy's crazy expensive y'all know that modern's getting up there mm-hmm. I really want there to be a cheap accessible format for people to play eternal format yeah, non rotating yeah so I really want pioneer to be successful I'm really happy to see pioneer get some love from wizards and I hope they continue to do that yeah agreed <clears throat> and these the uh, the challenger decks seems it actually seems like a pretty good idea as opposed to a pioneer masters deck where one of the big functions of a master's deck is reprinting cards that have gotten too expensive because they were printed 10 years ago. Uh, That's not as big of a problem with Pioneer, but getting new players to play it, that's where you kind of want to be. So it's like, here's here's a reasonable deck list. Buy this deck, put some more cards in it, and here you've got a, a playable deck. What this does also is it, I mean... It makes people say the word pioneer Yep. because you're at your game shop. You play standard and you see this. What the hell is a pioneer challenger deck? I see the standard challenger challenge decks. What's a pioneer challenger deck? And someone sitting next to you goes, oh, yeah, pioneer. I used to play that last year. It's actually pretty cool if you buy one. And now you got someone playing pioneer. That's yep. how you get you get someone into these relatively new formats. So you don't even know exists. Yep. And I the uh, love the, that support. The nice thing is, is if you go to your game store, you just have what's in your backpack, right? Yep. So. A lot of people, if you're, you know, if you're like me, you've got, you play multiple different formats and whatnot, you might not have a Pioneer deck. So I mean, you I think, could have I, a group of... I think the argument is more, more people aren't, aren't like you, where you show up to play, let's say, Commander tonight, and you brought two Commander decks. Or maybe you came to play Standard, maybe you brought a Commander deck and a Standard deck. What I'm saying there is, by getting that, so I could go to, I don't know anything about Pioneer, but what I could do is go buy one of these Challenger decks. I've never played the format before. And that's exactly. my entry in. And now I have a challenger deck in my backpack. Yep. So when I or sit down you, or if you show up and they're playing pioneer tonight, yeah, they're playing pioneer tonight or, you know, hey, uh, me and me and Jake got knocked out early in this pot of EDH. Yeah, exactly. We can sit down here and play some pioneer and kill yeah. some time. Where, Throw some money at the shop. Try something new. See how it feels. Yeah. <clears throat> and it gives you a way in to dip your toe in without committing to a deck. Exactly. So, you know, you toss your game store, 40 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever yeah, it is going to be. Sit down, play it, and go, hey, yeah, this was actually a lot of fun. And they're, they're, should... they're full of good cards. I mean, not every card in there is going to be a $30 card, but they're full of good cards. They're relatively tuned decks. Yep. So The standard ones were very popular. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Moving on, we got some secret layer news. Tons of new secret layers coming out. Some of them are cool. Some of them are okay. Uh, if you love secret layers, you love them. If you don't, you don't. Yep. What I'm really excited to see that's just cool to me is this out-of-time super drop with the Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. There's something really cool to me about seeing the old rules text, the old clunky, this is terrible what, rules you know, text. Re- this is what Karn would look like if he was printed in, you know, yeah. alpha. I, like, not even when he looked like, like the arts on him is fine. Well, yeah, the text. But just I mean, the text box, this yep. wall of text trying to talk. Because it, some of the old cards, if you've never played old magic, you should go look up. Like, what's a good old card someone could look at and go, ugh? 
Chains of um, Mephistopheles. Go yeah. read Chains of Mephistopheles. It's an yeah. old Legends card. It's like 600 bucks. Don't worry about how much it costs. Read it and then tell me what it does. <laughs> Correct. There's actual uh, flow charts you can get online to carry around on your phone. <laughs> so if you play it in like EDH or uh, Legacy, so you can look it up and be like, okay, this is actually what that card I have heard does. stories of people at tournaments they, going to the head judge because they're playing a Chains of Mephistopheles deck. And like... I want to say what happened was like he had a flow chart. And at this time, at least you you can't. And I don't think you still can. You can't reference paperwork while yeah. you're playing. You, you are 100 tools to help you not allowed to pull a thing out and reference it. But he got signed by the head judge permission to like pull out this list to be like, this is what this is how chains interacts with these cards because it's so confusing. And judges are like, I don't want to get 35 judge calls today every time you play chains. Right. Episode. So that's like, look it up, Google it. I'm not going to read it. That's what old cards that were kind of complicated used to be like text wise formatted as. And they'd done that with Planeswalker. Yeah, this is just cool. one long run on sentence. Oh, it's, a, it's awesome. Because you know what a Planeswalker looks like. I'm assuming if you listen yep. to this, they don't have loyalty abilities. They don't have a space for loyalty counters. It looks like a creature. Yeah, there's no little loyalty. It's number down crazy. at the bottom right. It's fucking bonkers, man. I love it. That's 100% a flavor win. They're silly. They're ridiculous. If you love them, you love them. If you don't, you don't. Don't worry about it. They're amazing. Love yeah, the tears. It, well, it kind of makes sense too. The uh, the old frame. I don't know how well it would look putting a planeswalker in it in the first place. You mean like with a? You mean the old border, the retro? But what's a, called? Yeah, the retro old border, frame, but a planeswalker yeah. style frame. I'm not sure what that if that would look good or not. I'm a huge fan of with, obviously the retro frame. With how they're pushing these borders, I can only assume we're going to see one yeah, soon. So. I hope so. We'll know. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Give it a shot, guys. Especially like secret layer. I tell you the truth, I'm not a. The core of Secret Layer I'm not in love with because it takes money away from card shops. I wish they I wish the structure of this was more designed to get money to your card shop. Correct. Regardless of that, they're awesome. They give they give wizards a chance to print cool, funky art, new things. Re, they give wizards a great chance to reprint cards that need it. You know, Teferi's Protection got a reprint in a Secret Layer set. Yep. Drop the price like crazy. A super rare card that was hard to get a hold of, and they make it available. I love seeing stuff like that. So, you know, secret layers are kind of bittersweet for me. On some things, yes, some things, no. But they're also a perfect example. You've mentioned it a couple times where, quote, this product isn't for you. The secret layer is how you do that. Oh, like, if you want to do that effectively, you go, yeah, I don't like the art on those. This product's not for me. Yep. It's It becomes a lot more of a kind of a dagger in your back when their standard set is the set that's yeah. not for you. I like buying packs. I if I want to buy the pack and I have to open this as my rare. That uh, you're right, Maro. This product is not for me. Stop selling it to me. Right. Stop taking away what I enjoy buying. Perfect. And the I secret just, layer is the best way around. I just know I didn't go through all the secret layer drop. I might buy one of these. It's got a carpet of flowers on it and it's gorgeous. I saw that that carpet of flowers. That whole um that whole I think secret it's an layer drop, looks isn't it? fantastic yeah so i might be picking that up. i've only bought one secret layer so far i bought the seb mckinnon one because seb mckinnon is such an amazing artist i might look at picking that one up the only one i have i haven't bought a full secret layer but i brought the uh uh national woman's day Marin. gotcha so yeah like the art and like, the card frame so that's what that. the, like secret layer is not a product for us but they hit sometimes yep and no that might be a hit for me we're getting a new commander legend set uh, if anyone remembers, Commander Legends was the year of Commander that was the first commander-oriented pack-based set where you could buy packs of Commander. And you presumably could draft, draft it. with it. Yes. Yeah. They're bringing that back with Batter, Battle for Baldur's Gate, and they're still kind of driving home that drafting. To be honest with you, I don't think Commander was meant to be drafted. I've heard good things about it from other people. I've heard bad things about it. I'll be interested to see how it does in in-person drafts. It got kind of unlucky where... It just didn't get drafted as much as I think they wanted to in paper. So maybe this second run through will get it 
in some more players' hands. As far as Commander Unlimited goes, I enjoyed what we did back in the day. We had uh, made a Commander sealed deck with Dominaria. We got, what, yeah, that was two or three boxes, something like or that? Two boxes. Two boxes. And we, we each had like 10 packs. packs. yeah. And we just built a Commander deck. And it helped deck. that it was, it was Dominaria, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was so Dominaria. There was tons of Legends. Yeah. But it was... I think sealed is probably how I want to play a yeah. Commander in limited formats, but... In fairness... We are both pretty heavily biased against drafting just because we're not very good at it. We don't enjoy it very much. Yeah, I don't dig This is not limited much. resources. I'm not Louis Scott Vargas. I'm just bad at it. I'm not saying drafting is bad. I'm saying Jake is bad at drafting. So you're going to see some bias there. I'm not a huge fan of it, but this product is not for you. That's totally fine. I love seeing Commander reprints. I hope it's chock full of some good cards for me to yeah, get. And Commander is a great... It's just the the best thing about commanders. You only need one card in your deck. Oh, hundred percent. That that really actually <laughs> does help when you want to buy packs with commander because you can pull the one you need from a pack. I remember when I got into Magic. I got into Magic with you playing Commander, and that was the biggest thing about it. Was I would look at these cards that cost thirty forty dollars, and I'd go, "Thank God I don't play Constructed because I'd have to buy three yeah. of them sons of sure bitches." Would, it sure would suck <laughs> to need four Allosaur yeah. Shepherds <laughs> and now instead I, of yeah. just one. <laughs> now I need four Force of Wills and yep. four Stoneforge Mystics. Like, four Solitudes. Oh, my gosh. Four Ragavans. Yeah. I miss the days of just needing to buy one. But, hey, Wizards, 10 out of 10. Keep making Commander Legends. Keep reprinting Commander cards. Love seeing it. Love yeah. buying packs. And this is this is a decent place for the D&D stuff, too, 100%, yeah. as we'll talk this about later. type stuff. I don't think either one of us are huge fans of the universes beyond not particularly um, but this is this is where it should be i don't think it you know in a commander specific thing sure play D. yeah i don't care commander is dinosaurs versus ninjas with versus lasers spiders. and guns and you know that's sure that's what D and that's what a uh, edh is for put whatever you want in yep there. so happy to see that jumpstart is getting a whole new set jumpstart 2022 happy to see that love seeing some new cards some good reprints Jumpstart was incredibly popular. It was crazy popular with a super underwhelming print run. They're finally starting to get repr- uh, a second print run out on it. I shouldn't say now, but they recently. Yeah. So hopefully they learn from their mistake that they put some good cards in there. They print the dog piss out of it. Yep. I don't know. Have you? Did you ever play any where you took bought two, mushed them together, and played them? I didn't get the chance. I think we did it one time. Me and my wife, and it's okay. Me, Matt, even my wife. My wife plays Legacy with us. We're really accustomed to playing tuned decks. So it wasn't as much fun for us because I just don't like playing kind of clunky decks as much. But I like the accessibility of it where if you were at a card shop, ideally it's on the shelf at a card shop. And, you know, someone's like, oh, I, sure. I'll tr-. And you can just grab two, mush them together, and now it's a deck. So I love I love the accessibility of getting people into playing. Yep, and that's- I love the idea of getting new players at card shops with cards in their hand. Yeah, that was was really popular it was very well designed there was just enough the cards were just strong enough to make them interesting for uh uh competitive formats yep. without them taking over yeah you know there's like two cards in jumpstart that see playing legacy muxus and allosaur shepherd hyper Neither one. hyper narrow yep hyper they they they're very strong cards but they're very narrow cards something we, i don't know if we talked about yet but they have very high deck building requirements right. you can crank the power on a card up and not upset me if the deck building requirements on it are high and, and Allosaur, Shepherd, and Muxus both meet those. They're relatively hot. Yeah, they do things if you are running elves or goblins. If you're going to jack up tribal, I mean, I'm sure you could break it if you tried really hard, but tribal love is something I'm happy to see. And you can jack up tribal power pretty high. Yep. Before it starts really ruining a format. So hopefully they'll print another broken elves card. Especially so now with uh, Gaia's Cradle with being over $1,000 because who's going to drop four grand on Gaia's Cradles? Correct. Because you know what? Uh, 
Volcanic Island still sees play in other decks. Yep, Cradle, Cradle does not. Yeah. Double Masters 2022. I cannot say enough good things about Wizards printing Master Sets. Please keep doing it. Please print more. Please print twice as much as you were going to print. Master Sets are the best way to get expensive cards lower Double priced. Masters was amazing. I think I have like somewhere between five and ten of the full art cards. I have all kinds of foils. Oh, I bought awesome. so much of that set. I bought a ton of sealed and unsealed. Yeah, I would just go on Cool Stuff Inc., which is my primary... Uh, website yep. that i use and i would just every once a week i'd get some money for magic and just start buying legendaries yeah. for edh i loved it it was great i I got my force of wills because of double masters because that was the, yeah. that was the big force of will reprint yeah i can't say like wizard 10 out of 10 good job guys really appreciate that yep. can't wait for double masters 3 <laughs> you know what? double masters 2 isn't even here yet i hope we're talking about double masters 10 because i yep. keep doing it please unaffinity unsets are awesome i love when they print unsets they're silly they're hilarious if you play magic they're fucking dorky as hell yep you get some cool lands my my personal favorite lands are unlands i think i use unhinged lands right now stable unstable oh yes yeah. yes i use unstable lands yeah without a doubt my favorite lands are the unlands so again knock it out of the park wizards yep print some the, more unstuff and that the great thing about the unsets is it's a cool way for them to kind of mess around and tinker with ideas and some of those you can tell that some of those ideas not in their you know unformed have made it into other cards and it's just interesting to look at where their heads at when they're yeah. designing stuff uh, you could like unsets are kind of like future site yeah like future site was printed to test out some new weird things they use unsets for that and obviously some unsets like the richard garfield card where you get to name a card and that as long as the mana cost is the same that's what the card is yeah that's probably not coming anytime soon look at me i'm the dci yeah look at me on the dci <laughs> That's my favorite one. Removed from the game, removed from everything. The, the <laughs> yeah. card where he eggs out from the from the yeah. existence. So ninety percent of it is just wacky, yep. goofy yep. stuff to play with your buddies. But having it be a chance to play test some completely off the wall mechanics, see how they turn out, and then refine them in. It's a great way to kind of pull double duty, get some cool cards in people's hands. It's tons of fun. Me and my wife picking up. I still have the box where we have the decks all separated, mm -hmm. and once in a blue moon, we'll pick the box up and just it's kind of like the original jump start. Yep. Take two, mush them together, and we'll play for fun. Yeah, tons of fun. Okay, uh, I'm upset now. Universes Beyond, Warhammer 40k. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> I'm not happy. <laughs> earlier, we had mentioned that about 60 or 70% of the announcement yep. stuff was stuff we were huge fans of. The Universes Beyond is where Jake and I both kind of draw the line on what we like. I'm very... Un I'm, I'm not, I shouldn't say very unhappy. This product is not for me, 100%. Neither of them are standard legal. One of them is modern legal. And both of them are legacy, legacy legal. I don't like this. Um, we talked about how I don't like magic and technology. That's me personally. I don't like magic and high-end technology. Uh, insert Warhammer 40K, magic and high technology. Yep. I just, I don't see magic when I see Warhammer 40K. That's me personally. We may disagree. That's fine. I don't like it. I'm not a huge fan of it. Yep. Well, and there's, as we talked about earlier, there's, there's some things about like magic and uh, Lord of the Rings and Warhammer 40K that just literally don't mesh well. So just because of the doesn't, nature doesn't of the Warhammer worlds. 40k have literal hell. Correct. And, uh, and it's relatively bloody, isn't it? Like Warhammer 40k is bloody and gruesome. And when you get into the it's very of violent. It. Um, Lord of the Rings, on the other hand, has, I mean, Gandalf is basically an angel. Uh, there's, you know, well, angel. We have angels. Yeah, but they're not quite the same. The, it's just there's stuff. Like a planeswalker could never exist in Lord of the Rings. So I will say, I will take the stance that I think Lord of the Rings, flavor-wise, would fit well into magic. It seems I don't like want that on the surface. To. I don't want it to be there. 
Mm-hmm. Now, in Matt's defense, as he says that, I have seen one of the Lord of the Rings movies. Send me your hate mail. I'll fight you on it. I'm not a huge fan of them. They're good movies. Not to me. Yeah, it seems like it's very magic-y and it's very Magic the Gathering-y. I think flavor-wise it would fit well. I just don't like the idea of bringing in these relatively popular IPs that have something to lose into Magic. Because my fear, and I think Matt is similar to me, is Gandalf can't suck. Whoever owns Gandalf, whoever owns Lord of the Rings, is not going to let Gandalf be a crappy card. Right. And so when we start putting these requirements on cards to be good... I don't want the requirement of a card being good to combat with the need for it to be balanced. Right. And then what's going to happen is now hopefully we're wrong. 100%. Hope I'm wrong. Hopefully Gandalf costs seven mana. Yeah, that would be great. Like Vorpal Sword was a great example. Vorpal Vorpal Sword from Dungeons and Dragons is one of the most powerful weapons in the game. The thing costs like four to play and its activated ability is like four black, black, black. Right. But what I don't want to see is, for example, as a legacy elves player... I don't want to see Galadriel or Legolas or Gilgalad or Glorfindel, all these cards. You know what all these names are. I don't are. know. I don't want those characters in my legacy deck. Yeah. Lord of the Rings is basically proto-magic. <laughs> it's funny. Like, magic doesn't... Ex- all, yeah. I mean, there's a direct link. Like, Lord of the Rings it directly inspired D&D. Magic was designed to be played between sessions of yep. D&D. Like, there's a direct line there they should not be mixing <laughs> your argument for why you don't want Lord of the Rings is my argument for I don't like magic and lasers. Right. I just, and that's fair. I just don't like it. And he, yeah, you just don't, like I said, I don't see a problem with there being a card named Gadriel. It, that's the name you said, right? Galadriel. Sure. I know Lord of the Rings names. That doesn't bother me particularly. I just, I don't like the idea of somebody standing over a designer's shoulders on top. I mean, beyond what there already is, but being like, I, you know, refusing to let the one ring be that weak. Right. There's a possibility. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. That's my fear, though. Yeah. I don't want more cooks in this kitchen with steaks because whoever owns Lord of the Rings has steaks in terms of how good Gandalf is. The other thing to keep in mind, at least with Lord of the Rings in particular, is the way Lord of the Rings is written. They're not overtly powerful. Like Gandalf is powerful, but the primary doesn't he die means, in the first movie? He dies in the second, or he yeah he dies in he shouldn't. I shouldn't say he dies. He fights a Balrog towards the middle of the first uh, book and movie. He fights Balrog. He's the fly uh, you fools guy. Yes. Yeah, I know Lord of the Rings. So like he fights this giant demon, right? Yeah. But if you look at him when he's doing that, or if you read about the fight in the next book, they're not like throwing fireballs at each other. There's no, the magic within Lord of the Rings is very subtle. Yeah. It, does not look anything like Magic the well, Gathering or Harry Potter or anything that like when, where people are throwing spells at each so other. So Gandalf is one of the most powerful entities in Magic or in Magic in Lord of the Rings. On Middle Earth. Yes. yes. So isn't there a scene in the first one where he's fighting the other old wizard guy who was a traitor? Yeah. And they're like basically fist fighting? In the books, that does that scene doesn't happen that way. In the movie, they're kind of using telekinetic powers where they're effect- they're effectively shoving each other with magic. Yeah, they're that is one of the more the overt displays of magic in the th- in the whole series yeah. of movies like magic just it manifests differently yeah. so in lord of the rings if you go to lothlorien the magic in lord of the rings that uh galadriel uses her ring she builds lothlorien and it's timeless and it's beautiful gotcha. like that's what magic okay. is used for like you don't throw around fireballs um, a good example of this is uh pippin actually saves gandalf's life from an orc like an orc just a dude could, just stab Gandalf in the back and kill him. 
He's basically a D&D wizard. Correct. He's got like 30 health. Yeah, he's got no health. His AC is 10. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to trip to Zero this constitution. <laughs> Correct. And, but underneath that meat sack is an angel. Yeah. So like a lot of these things, they just don't mesh very well. As opposed to magic where you have a spell like all is dust, which is the Eldrazi literally destroying the entirety of a plane. Correct. In one card. And those two things shouldn't exist within the yes. same canon. And now they kind of do. I see that argument. I don't feel as strongly about it, but you know, that's like I said, I didn't like Kamigawa. Well, and the big thing is, so you take those same arguments and you apply them to Warhammer 40k, where it's like, well, the warp exists and we're shooting across space. I mean, there's a lot of quote unquote triggering things in Warhammer 40k. If you read, like, I just watched some lore on TikTok, and there's a lot of things that I'm surprised with. I would be very surprised if wizards would openly acknowledge about this product they're making. Right. Like, they're not going to make sex slave angels. I think that's a thing you have in Warhammer 40k. And so there's a lot of stuff to go down that route. I mean, Uh, slavery. There's slavery in 40k, isn't there? I would assume so. I I don't know. Maybe not slavery. Like, like I've seen where there's like forced labor where they they lock you in these mech suits and like you are forced to fight. The chaos are religious zealots. Like, I mean, uh, half the factions that I know of are religious zealots. They they, they put themselves in a position where they are going to have a hard time doing their brand justice and doing Warhammer 40k justice. They might toe a line. I could be wrong. Well, and that's something that came up when they did the uh, secret layer for Walking Dead was those bad guys are murderers and rapists. Yeah. There were a lot of people who were very unhappy about Like that. The Walking Dead is an adult the, show. What's the dude's name with the baseball bat with Lucille? I can't even like, remember. I don't remember his name. I never watched. Rick is the Rick is the good yeah. guy, and there's the bad guy. But like, yeah, I've seen, I've heard clips of him. I didn't watch Walking Dead. Fight me. I, I don't didn't care. make it that far. <laughs> don't at me. Yeah, but you know, he like he has fun killing people. Yes, like he, he I takes mean, he, pleasure in rape and murder. Yeah, like if you're gonna argue that there's something evil in magic, you're not playing. I mean, Nicol Bolas is about as evil as it gets, guys. But that's a very real world, and again, I'm gonna say triggering. Thing that I I'm surprised Wizards is will, is willing to connect itself with. Yeah, the so, big thing we'll would see. be look on the uh, front of a pack of Magic and it says like for thirteen or fourteen up. Yeah, uh, would you think Walking Dead is? Oh my gosh, for thirteen year olds, would you let your thirteen year old watch that show? No, I would not. Correct. So the other thing about Warhammer 40k, I'm getting my two cents in. Uh, I don't like Magic and guns. I don't. I mean, flintlock pistols are already pushing it for me. These guys have plasma cannons and assault rifles and yada Space yada ships. Spaceships. So. Again, this product is not for me. That's okay, though. Well, the issue here, though, is you're at some point going to sit down in Legacy and someone's going to play... Don't remind me. ...from the warp. Let let future Jake deal with that. (laughs) Right now, Jake is not worried about it. Future Jake is going to be upset. So, more upset stuff. Moving on to uh, a new secret layer, which I'm not particularly fond of, is the secret layer. So, it's funny. We have the old guy and the new guy, and we have secret layers for each of us. Yep. Secret layer Fortnite... I'm not particularly interested in Fortnite died years ago. I'm sure people still play it. Don't. It's not in the. Don't at me. It's dead. Know. It's a cool game. Sure. It's dead. I'm not a huge like, fan of it. So it's it's dead in the same way. Minecraft is dead where Minecraft still gets played. Oh, Fortnite no, still gets no. played. A hard disagree. But, nope. No. Minecraft is way let me more alive than Fortnite. Fortnite is still part. It's not part of. It's not of the culture in the way that it was a couple years ago yeah in the same way that world of warcraft still has a few million people playing it world of warcraft is there's not going to be a south park episode about world of warcraft next yeah nine times it's soon. not part of the cultural zeitgeist anymore yeah in the way that it was people yeah. still play it people still play minecraft minecraft's not everywhere anymore either still millions of people play it 
but you're not you know hearing about it in the same way that yeah. it was five or ten years ago now this is a reprint only drop so you know that's one of those where like i'm not a fan of it i don't think i don't like the art style of it wizards you are more than welcome to reprint any card whatever dumb art you feel like reprint secret layers cool with me i don't care the original the secret layers when it comes to like having original cards in the secret yeah. layer where this card didn't exist mechanically unique i don't like that speaking of mechanically unique secret layer street fighter is coming out that's going to be something that matt's probably going to be more inter- interested in than i am i did not play street fighter so yeah, yeah, the, so i love street fighter i played it growing up uh literally played it in arcades street fighter 2 and street fighter um in arcades back in my hometown and it's been a big part of my life. It got me into fighters. Uh, I used to play fighters all the way through high school and college. Um, I don't play them so much anymore. Just got old. <laughs> I got Tekken 7 and realized that I currently suck at fighters. We played some Mortal Kombat 11, yeah, I think. Yeah, Mortal Kombat 11. Like, I used to be a decent casual player. Um, I mush buttons. <laughs> right. So, all that being said, what the hell does Street Fighter and Magic, what do they have in common? Absolutely nothing. People that played Street Fighter probably play Magic They're, now. That's that's all I can think about is this, uh, with this combination, is they're looking at people my age and just trying to get money out of it. Yeah. Like, this feels more cash... The, the Fortnite and the Street Fighter ones feel very cash-grabby to me. Yeah. Like, in theory, you could combine Warhammer 40k and Magic. In theory. And you could do that justice. Same thing with Lord of the Rings. There's going to be people like me who are Lord of the Rings purists and magic purists, stuff like that. Fortnite and Street Fighter are cash grabs where they're going, hey, this demographic overlaps with this demographic. If we combine the two, maybe we can get more likely to buy it. Maybe you'll be more likely to buy this product. That's all that is. I'm reading in this. I'm kind of reading through this article about it. I guess there was, so these are going to be mechanically unique cards, which we are both hyper against. Yep, absolutely. I've, Any, there should, regardless of whether or not their universe is beyond, there should not be you uh, mechanically unique cards in secret layers. I agree with that entirely. Again, at me, fight me. I disagree with that. I'm I'm fine if you want to own your Rick Grimes. I don't like them. I don't think they should exist. I aggressively don't think they should exist. Correct. This says there has been no words on whether or not they will be black bordered or silver bordered. So there is a possibility that maybe Wizards has heard our outcries and decided to make these a unstyle set of cards where they're mechanically unique. They are Street Fighter. They're cool, but they're not real cards. And that would be the perfect yep. place. You will, hear, you will hear zero. You've com- got My Little Pony magic cards and say, no one cares. Yep. I've never once complained that My Little Pony got a print run. Cool. Right. Awesome. Yep. And I don't I didn't even mind. This was a couple years ago in Ikoria where they made Godzilla skins of cards. That didn't bother me either, except for back then I said it's going to be a year or two and we'll have Harry Potter. Yep. And then a year or two and we, you know, we didn't get literally Harry Potter, but we got Strixhaven. Yeah. And then they started announcing all this stuff. And that's, that's one of the things you always have to watch out for is Wizards likes mission creep a little bit. Yeah. So just pay attention to anything they're doing now. There's a solid chance it will grow in the future. And this is the result of that where we have Fortnite which is like the most commercialized thing at the moment yeah. where you've got all sorts of skins from all sorts of other properties. So in theory, you could have a Spider-Man skin in Fortnite, right? Yep. And I know he's not the character in Fortnite. And I know there are characters and settings in Fortnite. Sure. But in theory, you could now have a Spider-Man yeah. <laughs> magic card. He exists in both now. And that for yeah. anyone who cares about lore, I wonder if Fort- how can you make any of this make sense? Does Fortnite 
licensing give you licensing to the things Fortnite has licensed? I'm sure it doesn't. They're usually mm -hmm. licensing agreements are very specific. Uh, case in point, the Lord of the Rings uh, licensing. They did not get the license for the movies. Um, mm, okay. Which is so they can't use Vigo Mortensen's likeness as Aragorn. Um, they have to make their own original stuff, or at least from another source. And I imagine that's something like this. You know, they probably have very specific rights to use Fortnite yeah. assets, Fortnite characters, Fortnite so, locations. Talking about rights to use and whatnot. One of the reasons I don't like these mechanically unique cards being Black Border is this is very potentially a new reserve list. And this is an argument you've heard a million times. We're not going to go super into it. But that's why I don't like it. That's one of the reasons I don't like this is if they print mechanically unique uh, Street Fighter cards that are Black Border, turns out they're amazing. They, I mean, Legacy is full of Wizards mistakes. There's no reason Wizards could not make a mistake on a Street Fighter mechanically unique card sure yep. whatever it becomes a legacy staple and then street fighter is like nah fuck you you can't reprint my card yep. and wizards there's a potential that wizards has built this into their contract it'd be cool if they did i fear they don't right. and then we're in this position where this really cool card that's really good and potentially a new pillar of the format got printed one time it will never be printed again and it's a new reserve list so yep. i mean that's my complaint about it how long it's been it's been over a year but i don't remember exactly how long since then since rick grimes came out yep. Rick Grimes sees play as a one or two of yep. in Legacy Humans. He is effectively Un reserveless. Unreprintable. Again, now, now they could print they could print a copy of him that's not Rick Grimes and he's just a magic character with yeah. the exact same abilities, but that also has certain implications. So supposedly they've said that if they did that, they're they effectively would count. the same. It'd be like a, re a a reverse of the um Godzilla cards. Which to me kind of defeats the whole point of doing this. But the weird thing is with the Godzilla skins, they found the right method of doing this the first time. Yeah, no one had any issues and they with keep playing with it. And then they're just like, "Well, let's deviate from yeah. that." It's like, "Well, you you got it right the first time. Don't change it." For yes. Once. All right, we're starting to get oh. kind of long. Um, that's basically all the things we had to talk about. There's one yep. more thing I wanted to add. When it comes to the new Commander Legends, they are bringing back a really cool thing, etch foil commanders. And I believe the original etch foiling from Commander Legends, we've seen many different versions of etch yep. foiling. I think that was another example of they etch foiled commanders in Commander Legends and they nailed it, knocked it out of the park. And then they kept changing how they're doing etch foiling and they all kind of suck. Yep. So I'd love to see they're more. They're a lot darker now. I'd love to see Commander Legends um, with more etch foiling, more commanders etch foiled. I hope they keep doing it. I'm excited to see that. Other than that, I think we're going to start wrapping up. We're getting to the end of our podcast. We've been talking for I think a little over an hour now. Matt, was there anything else you wanted to bring up today about a really positive day in magic? We usually sit in kind of doom and gloom wizards way more happy than upset today. Yeah. I, like I said, other than the, basically the universe is beyond stuff. Yep. Everything else is at least a positive for me. Um, some of them are better than others. You know, I'm really excited about uh, Neon Destiny. Um, I love coming back to Dominaria. Yep. I'm ecstatic about the Brothers War. Um, that's that is right there with Neon Destiny. With I'm excited me. about that too. So, so like, I think that'll be a great way to introduce people into you know these characters that I've been around for 20 years, yeah. and some people are going to be Urza you know, and Mishra are. Like, even I'm not, like, super into lore, but I'm pretty excited about that. And the, we didn't talk about this. Uh, Mishra is very Phyrexian, and people are excited to see the Phyrexian. So, I I mean, just looking at this art, Phyrexians are coming back, baby. Yeah. So, the, the exciting mana. thing to me is there are going to be people whose first set they play in is in Dominaria again. Yep. 
and that happened when Dominaria came out a couple years ago. But that always gets me excited where some kid's going to open his first pack and he's going to pull an Urza or a Mishra and he's going to go, who is this guy? And he's going to look it up and there's going to be 20 years of lore for him to look up. So that's really exciting. So I think we're going to give this episode a wrap. If you guys want to reach out to us, like I said before, hit us up at cantripcartel at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Cantrip Cartel. Yep. Uh, check us out on Spotify. Check us out on the Planeswalkers Discord. And take a, yeah, take a, take a peek at the Planeswalkers podcast. They do a really great podcast all about Standard and Commander over there. So can't, uh, can't rep them enough either. I think we're going to go ahead and sign out. All right. Have a nice night, guys. In response to damage. <laughs>